It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Hey, welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I will keep you apprised of all the upcoming guest topics and important events. And I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me, Dr. Thomas Cranawitter. Uh, Tom, welcome. It's great to have you here. Hey, thank you, Kim. A, a conservatarian, is that right? Did I hear you right? Yeah, I just I, I made that up. I like that. I decided. I make that. up words all the time. I mean, <laughs> you know, language is language is this great example of what some economists call spontaneous order. Language is constantly changing. And so I figure, you know, if other people have been able to make up words, why can't I make up a word? So I congratulate you on Thank that. you. Thank you. Actually, I've had a, quite a bit of people say, I like that. Yeah. You know, there, um, this is a brief little detour on the nature of language and how it evolves all the time. In uh, Nicaragua, in the n- late 60s, uh, there was no facility for deaf children in the entire country. And somebody um, raised some money and put together some resources and started a little school for deaf children. And all of a sudden they had, I don't know the number, 75 or 100 little deaf children together. And of course, what do people want to do when they're with others for the very first time? You want to talk, you want to communicate, right? Well, they're all deaf little kids. And so you know what they do? They start pointing to things. They start making symbols and signs. They invent their own sign language spontaneously, and eventually they, 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 they codified that. That became the Nicaraguan sign language for deaf people. It's absolutely a fantastic story. It is a great story. And so there was no government program that made that happen? Not, I, believe it or not, I don't believe there was actually a Bureau of Sign Language at the time. Mm-hmm. And yet they managed to do it somehow. These little five and six-year-old kids, right, coming up with symbols for things. It was fantastic. You know, speaking of that, well, we're going to talk, it's presidency, so we're going <laughs> to talk about Washington, we're going to talk about Lincoln, but we're both Kansas kids. Yes, and. I submit to you, I, I had a great, it was public education, but a great liberal, a classical liberal education. And I would submit to you that kids inherently understand freedom. Because I remember words on the playground like, you're not the boss of me. Who says? You know, um, you, you can't make me. Right. You know, and right. now I think we're trying to teach kids in group projects more socialism starting in, in, in kindergarten. But I think inherently... People want to be free. Every, every one of our listeners right now who has kids, I promise they have heard this phrase a million times. I want to do it all by myself, right? Every little kid has said that over and over because it is so thrilling. Once, once a child can start to figure out how to do something on his own or on her own, they want to do it on their own. And, and that, that's the little kernel of freedom right there. I want to go do it on my own, not have some kind of nanny bureaucrat, right, watching who's never done this themselves, telling mm-hmm. me how to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So inherently, we want to be free people. Right. So before we get to Washington, we'll start with him first. Vino and Veritas, is this not exciting, Excellent. what is happening with our partnership? And, with, and we're, uh, the third leg on this stool is Water's Edge Winery with Jen Hewlin. Right. And uh, we had our first Vino and Veritas, first study of the Federalist Papers, yep. in January. Uh, the next one will be a week from today. Yep. Uh, the, the great news is, is it's sold out. The bad news is it's sold out. You know, it, it, this is the most exciting thing of my adult career. I, I, so, so for those of your listeners who don't know me, my background is in the academic world. I've taught at Claremont McKenna College, Hillsdale College, George Mason College. I taught a few semesters here in Colorado at Colorado Christian University. And uh, I, I've taught many classes. And this, from my point of view, this is kind of a class. I mean, it's a social event. People are getting together and they're drinking wine and making new friends. And we are reading the Federalist Papers together over the course of an entire year, 12 meetings once a month. 
And I've never been so excited about a class in my whole life. It's so much fun to see this room packed with adults who want to come and understand some of the basic key constitutional ideas of their country. It's it's a super cool thing. And and we have sold out. Never would have guessed it. So, you know, right now we're at the place we are looking to start a second chapter and we're thinking someplace a little up north, maybe in the Fort Collins area, somewhere up there, maybe a little bit down south in Colorado Springs. So if any of our listeners right now have some ideas, what ideally our host would be a a restaurant, bar kind of combination mm-hmm. place where people can get food, they can get drinks, and uh, could accommodate at least 100 or so mm-hmm. folks. And uh, our, our setup right now with Water's Edge Winery is we're doing it on Monday nights. They are typically closed on Monday. So it's a win-win for everybody. We get the whole place to ourselves. Right. From the point of view of, of Water's Edge, the owners, uh, th- that's typically a day where they don't have any revenue coming in at all. And we're showing up with a, with a packed house of mm-hmm. hungry, thirsty mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if anyone has any ideas, they can contact you. They can contact mm-hmm. me. They can drop by my website, speakeasyideas.com. There's a little right. contact tab there and send us a note. Absolutely. Uh, if anyone has any ideas, yeah, it's and, exciting. Uh, so, yeah, Bethany, if, if you go to your website, uh, speakeasyideas.com, yep. you can sign up there or you can email me, Kim at Americhicks.com. And, and if you're interested, we, we really need to be able to gauge demand. So get on the waiting list. Uh, it was so funny. At the last one, uh, there was somebody that I knew was on the wait, waiting list. And when I came in, she goes, I got in. <laughs> so that was. Well, uh, this is the exclusive cool club now yeah. in town. Vino and Veritas. Yeah, absolutely. It it certainly is. So it's exciting. And people, I think, are hungry. Why do we believe what we believe? So let's jump in here. With It is President's Day. Uh, And the presidents, I remember as a kid, I'm dating myself, but we would trace, you know, pictures of Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. And actually, they I think back then they even had their own birthdays. I don't think it was a national <laughs> holiday, but they had their own birthdays. Actually, actually, Washington's was. So so Lincoln's birthday is February 12th. Okay. Washington's birthday is February 22nd. They're separated by 10 days. Um, throughout the 19th century, uh, Washington's birthday was a sort of informal celebration. Many Americans would just honor it, to honor Washington. And uh, starting late uh, 1880s, I believe, 1890s, uh, Congress actually made that an, a national holiday. And it was a national holiday until the 1970s when we uh, we, had, we got this thing called President's Day, which I, this is so fitting. I don't like President's Day because it sort of lumps together, you know, Millard Fillmore and Jimmy Carter with George Washington, <laughs> right? It just doesn't seem right. And do you know how we got it? We got it by way of executive uh, order from Richard Nixon. So the whole thing is is kind of fitting, right? Mm-hmm. This this administrative uh, uh, fiat exercise of power by the president is how we got President's Day. And it's on a Monday, so people can get a three-day weekend. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. always on a Monday. Uh-huh. I think it's the, right, the third Monday uh-huh. in, in February so that uh, uh, people would... It, you know, it was actually part of the whole progressive outlook that government can manage the economy and manage everything else, it was a little piece of that administrative science saying, hey, let's figure out ways to give Americans three-day holidays. They're more likely to go out and spend money, right, which will affect the economy, so on and so on. It, it was all part of this kind of social engineering, engineering plan. But uh, this all started with Washington's birthday. And I thought maybe before we get into deep, heavy, serious things, we could start with a little kind of light, fun story about Washington. We can't. Can you hold on one second? Okay. Because we forgot to do one thing. Oh, what, what and that do? was on our Vino and Veritas. We forgot to just mention yeah. that Harmony Ridge Construction was our presenting sponsor in January. That is right. And they do awesome work. Rafe Patton and the whole team over there. If uh, if you have a project, building a home or, or doing something, you know, be sure and, and reach out to them because they are just awesome. R- residential remodeling is their real sweet spot. They are fantastic at it. So you have a kitchen you want to redo. You have a bathroom. What I love that they do, they will come into your backyard that you've done nothing with and you want to spice it up a little bit and they will turn your backyard into this beautiful, usable, entertaining space. They can build outdoor grills and patios and all kinds of things. So, you, yeah, the, people should check out Harmony Ridge Construction. They were our sponsor in January mm-hmm. for the January class. 
and then for our February class. It is none other than one of the last surviving drive-in theaters in the country. Talk the, about fun. Talk <laughs> about fun. The 88 drive-in theater. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking outside. It's all cold and snowy here. And very soon, this is going to be replaced by spring. It's going to warm up, which means the 88 drive-in theater is going to be opening up. And they're going to pack the house like they do all the time. It's owned by our friend Susan Kochevar, mm-hmm. and and she's going to be joining us, I believe, for this uh, th- this next Vino and Veritas She'll next week. And 88 Drive-In Theater helps make this happen. So when people are thinking about a fun family event or you have some friends, you're looking for something to do, pack everyone in the car and go head up to 88 Drive-In Theater. Most definitely so we're so grateful to both uh, yeah. Harmony Ridge Construction as well as 88 Drive-In Theater and Susan Kochevar. So needed to make sure that we did that, Tom. Absolutely. Okay, so you said you have a, a little quip or something about Washington. It's a fun story. So it's about Washington's horse. Um, there was a key moment early in the Revolutionary War. Remember, the, the, the Revolutionary War was, it was almost uh, an act of suicide, from the point of view of the Continental Army, I mean, they were outgunned, outtrained, outmanned, outmaneuvered. I mean, they, they, the, the British were the most awesome, lethal fighting force on the planet, and they were really good at what they did. Mm-hmm. And, and George Washington had a bunch of young boys, really, who many of whom had never, who'd never been in a fist fight, much less, you know, go out there and fight an, an, an army. And there's a key battle where uh, uh, Washington is on his horse and, and the British are descending down a hill in perfectly formed, you know, columns, red co- line after line of redcoats. And many of the Americans start to run away and Washington rides through them, rally, rallies the troop. Don't run away. Come form a line. Fire at the enemy. And Washington's at this little bridge. Behind him are his own troops. In front of him are the British the Americans fire, the British return fire, and one of his officers sees this. Washington's right in the middle, and he puts his hat over his face, and he starts to cry, this officer, because he thinks our great general was just mowed down by all this fire. And the smoke clears, and he said it was the most miraculous thing he ever beheld. There was George Washington sitting up. Not only had he not flinched, his horse hadn't flinched, and it's true. Wow. And so he gives, the, he gives the command to fire again. And the horse was named Nelson. He rode Nelson throughout the entire Revolutionary War. <laughs> and at the end of the war, he returns to his home at Mount Vernon, and he carves out a special section of a field. That is for Nelson, and he has one order. No one is ever to ride Nelson again because Nelson did provided such wonderful service in the Revolutionary War. Washington said he should retire in peace. He should be able to just oh. graze all day and hang out, right? That's a great story. I love that. I love that. Well, this show is going to go by very quickly, Tom Cranawitter. Uh, we're going to go to break here in just a minute. Um, but before we do that, I have this great story. My partnership with Hooters Restaurants, it's really a story of liberty and free markets and a conservatarian perspective. It stems from when I served as a city councilwoman in Lone Tree. And so if you're interested in learning more about that story, email me at kimandamerichicks.com. But, Tom, I love sports, uh, individuals working hard to be the best they can be to compete, win, lose. And Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. Uh, The Nuggets, the Avs, and March Madness is right around the corner. As a University of Kansas basketball fan, I love March Madness. So Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Hooters is the place to watch the games. Hooters special start at $10 for a draft and 10 boneless wings. And Hooters wings can fly. You can have them delivered right to your doorstep. So when the girls come over on Wednesday nights, I order Hooters new smoked wings because they're delicious and only half the calories. The girls love them. So order your Hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. Uh, This is Kim Munson. We'll be right back with Tom Cranowitter. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. 
Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. My website is Americhicks.com. That's where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well. Thrilled to have in studio with me um, my partner in the first Vino and Veritas, Dr. Tom Cranwitter with uh, Speakeasy Ideas. Uh, he is an expert on the founding of America, um, the Federalist Papers, Lincoln. It is so great to have you here, Tom. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be here. I was looking for an excuse to get up really early, this cold, snowy morning. And here it it is. I got to come hang out in the studio with you. It's perfect. Well, that's great. Thanks for being here. Uh, Great conversations. In fact, I was talking to some millennials this weekend and said that we were going to be doing this show. Mm -hmm. He said, I've got to listen in. So I love it. You're, I mean, greetings, you, millennials. You got it. You got it. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit. Presidents Presidents Day. Really, I mean, I think Lincoln in Washington. I don't think Millard, Mill, uh, Fillmore and uh, Jimmy Carter. Uh, why does it matter? It matters because uh, freedom rests on certain key ideas. The ideas come first, and those ideas can't defend themselves. They can't explain themselves. They can't teach themselves. They, they require teachers. And, and the best statesmen are teachers of freedom. Uh, there's an ancient maxim. It goes back to the ancient world that the, the first job of the statesman is to be a teacher. And in that sense, uh, Lincoln and Washington are teachers of freedom par excellence. There's, there's nobody better um, in the political world than those two. They both studied those core ideas you find in the Declaration of Independence, and then they went farther than that. They didn't merely study them. They practiced their entire lives speaking about them, writing about them, trying to communicate those ideas in meaningful ways to their fellow citizens, and also understanding what did that mean for practice, what does that mean for the policies we either adopt or reject or, or, or you know, the things we don't do? And, and that's why it's worth studying both Lincoln and Washington. In the case of, you know, the, the, their, their situations were similar in some ways and different in, in ways. Um, in a way, I would argue that Lincoln's challenge was even greater than Washington's. And Washington's was no small challenge. I mean, Washington in the practical realm... He was launching a revolution against the greatest military power on the face of the earth. And and it's worth pausing just for a moment and reflecting on what that meant. They had not only the most lethal, well-trained, well-equipped army that had ever ever been amassed in all of history. I mean, think of the Roman legions. Think of the great military—think of ancient Sparta. Nothing could stand up to modern—the modern British army— in the 1770s. And they had something else. They had a navy that could transport that army anywhere on earth. I mean, anywhere ships could go. So they, had, they could project this military force anywhere. When you think of, when you think of George Washington, what was going on with Washington uh, prior to the Revolution? Well, he had served. He had helped in, during the French-Indian War. He had actually helped serve uh, uh, the British cause, and King George III knew who George Washington was, and had he held George Washington with deep respect. Washington was among the wealthiest men in the United States. He was, I believe, the single largest landowner in the United States. The point is, Washington had a nice, cozy life. Mm-hmm. And why in the world would he risk all of that to go launch this 
crazy, almost suicidal revolution in the name of independence and freedom and self-government? The answer, I don't know for sure, but I sure am thankful that he did, right? It's this incredible thing. And here's the key about, about George Washington. The entire revolution would have been impossible without Washington. There were so many necessary parts. When you look at the revolution and then the American founding that immediately followed, you had to have theoretical uh, geniuses like Thomas Jefferson, like Alexander Hamilton. You, you needed these types. I, I would add John Adams into that mix. Uh, these guys studied arts and letters. They studied uh, uh, political philosophy and history. They, they, they could write about these things. They knew these things. You need that. You also need someone like a Sam Adams, uh, who's an instigator, who's a spark plug, who's out there, you know, who's out there grabbing cases of tea off of British ships, right, <laughs> dumping it into the water. So, you, right, you need those types as as well. And when it comes time to writing a constitution, you need a James Madison to sit down and sketch out the first draft of what the constitution is going to be. And in addition, you need a Washington. It's impossible without a Washington because those Americans would never have stood up and formed lines during the war and shot at the British Army without someone they deeply trusted and deeply loved. We tend to forget George Washington was elected as the first president. He was the first and only president to be elected unanimously by the Electoral College. There was not one vote that went for anyone else other than George Washington. All Americans trusted that man. They loved that man. He, he, was, he was not the, most, uh, the, the, the greatest genius among that family. He wasn't stupid, but he, wasn't, he didn't have that theoretical flair for genius that, say, a Hamilton had. What he had was the, he had earned the trust and love and respect of his fellow countrymen. And you absolutely have to have that. There is a moment in the Revolutionary War where the generals, the officers in the army are not getting paid. Uh, the Continental Army, uh, Continental Congress had no money to pay them. And they get together and they say, you know, this is a joke. I mean, come on, this whole, this revolution in the name of self-government, this, this clearly is a joke. This isn't going to work. We can't even get paid. Let's scratch this. And instead, let's have a new monarchy here. We, we're Englishmen, right? We know how monarchies work. We've been living under kings for generations. And George Washington will be the first king. And we're the army, if anybody disagrees with Washington being the king, we'll just squash him. We'll crush the, any opposition. And they go to Washington and they make that offer. And think of how many people could resist. How many people would turn I, that down? Someone I, saying, please be king. We're the army. If anybody disagrees, we'll crush them. And not only does George Washington reject the offer, he scolds them. He says, shame, shame on you. We are fighting not to replace one unjust monarchy with another unjust monarchy. We're fighting to live as free men and women, to govern ourselves, to make our own choices about how we're going to live, how we're going to use our property, how we're going to run our businesses, how we're going to raise our children. That's what this revolution is all about. That's what I mean when I say you have to have a Washington there, right? If you don't have that kind of man with that kind of character in that position the whole revolution fails. He, he, you know, anybody, any lesser man would sign up and say, yeah, sure, I'll be your king. Absolutely. And, and, and then it, you know, the rest of history goes a very different way. Um, I remember when, when George Bush, after, after 9-11, uh, if you remember the, the, the war on terror went through numerous different justifications. First it was, we're going to find the people who did this and bring them to justice. And eventually it became about spreading democracy making the world safe for democracy, taking democracy to places like Afghanistan, right, and mm-hmm. Iraq. And, and, and I remember watching that and listening to those speeches of George W. Bush and thinking to myself, well, where's their Washington? They, there is no George Washington type in Iraq. There's no George Washington type in Afghanistan. You're not going to have a revolution for freedom and self-government in those places. There's no way that it's going to mm-hmm. work. And in fact, it, it didn't. So, so Washington, Washington plays this very special role. You know, th- there are people who've, in fact, people who've written entire books on this idea that, 
that it's almost as if divine providence had assembled these certain types of figures in the American Revolution and the American founding to make that work. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. God didn't consult me about, about his plans for the American Revolution. I will say as an observer, it sure looks like something like that was going on because it seems really strange that every piece of that puzzle was in place to make the, the revolution happen, and not just the revolution. Right. There have been other revolutions that go disastrously wrong. Mm-hmm. Think of the French Revolution. It was a revolution that ends up devouring itself. Our revolution, in very short order, goes in the direction of a founding, a giving of law, a setting of a fundamental law, a constitutional kind of regime. We bring, we launch a violent, bloody revolution, and then we bring that violent, bloody revolution to an end and replace it with a system of legal, lawful self-government. And at the core of that whole process is George Washington. And that's why we ought to be celebrating Washington's birthday every February 22nd and why uh, why a national holiday like President's Day kind of does an injustice, you know, lumping George Washington together mm-hmm. with with a Jimmy Carter. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks and uh, Tom Cranawitter is in studio. We're talking about uh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with Remax Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. This is a house that Jack built, y'all. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Check out my website, americhicks.com, and that is where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well. Offering you a conservatarian perspective, thrilled to have in studio with me, Dr. Thomas Cranwitter, author, speaker, teacher. It is just great to have you here. We're talking about George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, because it's President's Day. Uh, let's go ahead. Where, where do you want to go from here, Tom? Well, first of all, I want to let people know they can find me by stopping by our website, speakeasyideas.com. Also, if they want to look me up on Facebook, uh, we have a sort of a lively intellectual salon that goes on Do you? On, uh-huh. on my Facebook page, at Tom Cranawitter. So please check me out online. Uh, so uh, it's, it's interesting, right, that, that the United States government decided to lump together all presidents in this, in, in this ho- national holiday called President's Day, and yet it really began as two separate celebrations. One was about Washington's birthday, which is on February, February 22nd, and the other is, used to be celebrating Lincoln's birthday, uh, February the 12th. And both men faced tremendous challenges, and as difficult as Washington's was, I think I would argue that Lincoln's was even greater. Because in the day of Washington, Washington had a large number of people, rough, roughly a third of the American people in 1776 were actively supportive of the revolution and actively embraced, endorsed the ideas of the revolution. Those ideas in the Declaration of Independence, the core being this, this notion that every human being has this natural rightful claim to himself, to his own property, to his own freedom, to his own mind, his own body. <clears throat> And in the days of Lincoln, the vast majority of the American people had come to reject that. And they had come to reject it 
um, in a in a thoughtful, serious, sober way. It, it wasn't crazy criticisms of the American founding of the revolutionary ideas. It was serious, sober, many of the brightest lights, the most thoughtful minds in the day of Lincoln had turned against the ideas of the Declaration of Independence. Um, I'm thinking of people like John C. Calhoun of South Carolina, a longtime prominent figure in the United States Senate, who was also renowned as, as one of the great orators in the United States and a great thinker. He, uh, John C. Calhoun wrote lengthy treatises on human nature and human history and the nature of government, and he called those ideas in the, cel- in the Declaration of Independence self-evident lies. That they're lies. That it's astounding. <clears throat> his argument and 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 these 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 ideas spread all throughout the United States. Calhoun argued. He said, "Look, clearly, humanity has been divided into different races. I mean, it's amazing how this 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 social scientific idea of race had emerged in the early 1800s and spread so fast. By 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 the 1850s, this had just become." commonplace. Uh, to, to use a phrase we use today, the science was settled according to people in the 1850s. There is no universal human nature. There are no universal natural rights that all human beings have. Rather, there are different races, and some races have evolved more quickly, have progressed, have developed. Other races are, are slower and are inferior, and those that are superior should rule over those that are inferior and 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 this gave rise to this entire science social science of of race it was repeated in the schools it was preached from the pulpits in the churches um it was amazing and and against all that you have abraham lincoln almost single-handedly i'm i'm exaggerating here a little bit but not much almost single-handedly saying wait wait we know that slavery is wrong because we know that every human being has a natural rightful claim to his own property, to his own person. That's what makes slavery fundamentally wrong. And so the Civil War is this tragic clash of ideas. Lincoln is trying desperately to preserve that core idea upon which freedom rests. You find this in all of his prominent speeches in his first inaugural uh, the Gettysburg Address, the second inaugural address, uh, in everything that he does uh, he, throughout his entire life, he despises slavery because it is a gross, immoral violation of that key fundamental idea of, of human equality. Okay, so a question, a slavery. Uh, you know, the, the founders, I think, are getting a bad rap because – and when you're talking about things being taught in school – racism or whatever i i I see there's real parallels right now with the elites in in america now that are really trying to divide uh define people by race because the elites think that they are better than everyone else and that they can make these decisions but the the founders they struggled with slavery and i think that our children are not being taught that slavery was was predominant throughout the world at that time. Well, so I, a, cu- a couple of notes on that. One, some good news. Uh, I'm working on my next book right now. Uh, I was working on it all day yesterday. I am producing a little primer on the subject of slavery. It's going to tell the story Fantastic. of slavery. And, 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 and the core of the story is that slavery is this really old thing, and very few people did anything to solve that problem until the Americans came along. The Americans did more. They acted more decisively, more energetically for, for the right principles than any group of people ever had done in all of prior human history. I look at early American history as the greatest anti-slavery movement ever, period, but with a big period right behind that. There's no exceptions. Um, in, in terms of you know, that, 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 that influence of education, uh, I was giving a, a, a seminar uh, several years ago to a group of teachers, high school teachers. And I was explaining Chief Justice Roger Taney's disastrous opinion in the Dred Scott case. Mm-hmm. Now, that opinion, in, in that opinion, for those who don't remember, that's where the Supreme Court argued that anyone of African ancestry, whether a free man or a slave man, doesn't matter. 
if you have African blood in your veins, you cannot be a citizen of the United States, according to the Dred Scott decision. This was back in 1857. And his entire opinion revolves around the Declaration of Independence. He, he, he provides this lengthy commentary. And he said, well, obviously, when the founders said all men are created equal, they did not mean to include black people. That was Chief Justice Roger Taney. Against that, opposed to Taney, was Abraham Lincoln saying, yeah, actually, they did mean to include black people and all other people. That's why they also argued that slavery was wrong, because equality includes all people. And I had this social, this high school social science teacher stand up, and he said, good grief. He said, I am so embarrassed. For 20 years, I've been teaching Roger Taney's view of the Declaration of Independence. He said, he said, come to think of it, Roger Taney's view of the Declaration is what's in our textbook. That's what our textbook teaches. It does not teach Lincoln's argument. It <sighs> teaches, it's a summary of Roger Taney's argument. And that's what, that's what kids are getting in school. It, it's, it's filled in our textbooks. And it misses the most important thing, right? What educators tend to do and the elites tend to do is say, well, look at those Americans. They were, they were hypocrites, right? They said equality, but some of them had slaves. I look at that from the exact opposite. I say, everybody had slaves throughout all of history. That's not even interesting, the fact that there were slave owners in 1776 in the United States. What's fascinating is they stood up for the first time ever and said, all men are created equal, that means slavery is wrong, and that launched this great movement, a tragic movement, that ended in abolishing slavery at tremendous cost in terms of money, sweat, tears, and blood. Uh, the, 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 the scope, the suffering, the destruction of the American Civil War is almost incomprehensible today, and the Americans did that to end chattel slavery at, at that great cost because of that de- their devotion to to the central idea of the Declaration of Independence. You know, Tom, one of my marketing things that I do is I carry around a rubber chicken handbag. You know, people say, hey, you know, what is it? Oh, I have this radio show, the AmeriChicks, here's my card, talk about different things. And I was at the car wash one day, and a woman came up to me, and and, uh, she said, oh, interesting handbag, and I did, you know, did the spiel on it. And um, I, I don't know, somehow I said something about slavery. And, uh, or, or I know, I said, um, uh, oh, you know what? We have these. If you if you want, we can probably get you get you one. She says, I don't really carry a handbag. I have been a missionary in Africa for a lot of years. I'm just here because my dad's having some health issues, so I don't really carry a handbag. And uh, we said something about slavery, and, and she went her way. And I just sat there. Then she came back. She said, I want you to know, slavery is alive and well in a, in the world today. She says, I see it. Yeah. And she said, it's black on black slavery, or it's Muslim on black. Or black on Muslim. And she just felt compelled that she needed to let me know that it still is out there. But the Americans, as you mentioned, I mean, it was so amazing that they would say, all men, and they met women, all men are created equal. And they have this inherent right of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Divine providence. I think it was, Tom. Yeah. And and it launched, as as I said, it launched the greatest anti-slavery movement. I mean, you know, just to give some historical context here, I mean, think about this. Slavery existed among the ancient Greeks. Even when the great thinkers like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle are there, right, it, it existed among the Romans. It existed, it existed throughout Europe. It existed for, for over 15 centuries of Christendom. And no group of people ever stood up and said, this is horrific, we have to put an end to it. But the Americans... As they're signing their own Declaration of Independence, they're also talking to each other saying, and this institution of slavery, this is therefore wrong. We got to get rid of it. The only real debate at the time of the American Revolution was how to get rid of it. How do you do that? How do you persuade people? Because we, we need the consent of the governed. So what do we do to get them to consent to abolish slavery between 1776 and 1800? It's only 24 years. In 24 years, half of the original states either abolished slavery entirely, like the state of Massachusetts, or they adopted policies for the gradual elimination of it, like in New York, where anyone born into slavery would become a free person after turning 25 years old. The idea being within a generation, there will be no slavery in the state of New York. 
that's an incredible thing that happened. And, and so many people ignore the good that the Americans did because they want to wag their finger and scold the Americans for what they think was bad or that they were acted too slowly or they didn't do enough somehow. But they don't look at the whole context of history, which is what you do so well. Um, we're going to go to break. When we come back, um, you said something after, you know, we were sitting around after Vito and Veritas, <clears throat> and you said that there were things that happened in both Washington and Lincoln's lives that gave us them. Uh, Washington had no biological children of his own. Yeah. And Lincoln uh, did not end up marrying maybe the woman that he loved. So I find those, those f- stories fascinating. So let's go to break. We'll come right back. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Uh, dissecting issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails, uh, and that's where I am on Facebook and Twitter as the AmeriChicks, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me Dr. Thomas Cranawitter, uh, one of the founders, president of Speakeasy Ideas. That is speakeasyideas.com. And uh, this has gone going way too quickly. So much great information. But by the way, there's a little tab on there. It says, take me to. And then it tells you all the different places, parts of the website. One of them is Vino and Veritas. So if people are interested in learning more, as we mentioned, we're sold out for the rest of this year for the one that we have going at Water's Edge Winery. But still, there's a lot of information there. You go to speakeasyideas.com, take me to Vino and Veritas. And uh, it's a good place also for people who are interested in sponsoring or helping us to organize uh, the second chapter mm-hmm. of Vino and Veritas. Yeah. yeah, so definitely. And get on the wait list because that gives us a good gauge on yes. uh, demand. So yes. that's really, really important. Um, because don't give up. I think that's what I'm saying. Don't give up. And I guess that goes into George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. They didn't give up. That's true. Um, but you, I thought it was just fascinating that you said there were things that happened in their, their lives that gave us these men. So explain that. Well, you know, think of... Th- th- so, it, it, as you mentioned before the break, right? Washington did not have children of his own. And it, it's, it's always been a question in my mind uh, what kind of effect that had on him in his choices to engage in revolution, not, not just to engage in, but to lead the revolution. I mean, if, if the Continental Army was ever caught, um, he would be one of the first to be hung for, for treason, right? He's the, the, the commanding general of that army. And to the fact that he didn't have children of his own influenced that decision. In the case of Lincoln, uh, this, is, this is a little, you know, I've spent my lifetime studying Lincoln writing books and articles about Lincoln. Uh, This is something of my own interpretation, my own opinion. It's very clear that he had one true love of his life, uh, a young woman named Ann Rutledge. He was enamored with her. He, he, she stole his heart and she died. Uh, They were both very young and there was something called, they used to call it milk poisoning. There's a, there's a weed called snake root. I, I happen to know about because I used to dig it when I was in high school. It, it, it's it's the, the root. It looks like a carrot. And if you chew on it, it makes your mouth numb. It, it, pharmaceutical companies use it to make Novocaine, you know, when you mm-hmm. go to the dentist. And, and when cows, I was digging it because you, you can dig it up and sell it to the pharmaceutical companies. And if you're, you know, 17 years old in Hayes, Kansas, it's a good way to make a little (laughs) extra cash. Um, When cows eat it, it often makes them sick. It makes their milk toxic. And Ann Rutledge drank milk from a cow that had been chewing on snake root. 
she caught a fever and she died. Now, Lincoln, of course, did get married. He went on, got married. He, he, he had a children. Um, but I think it, had Anne Rutledge lived, Lincoln would have married her, and he would have been so joyous and so happy in that marriage, I don't know that he would have devoted mm-hmm. his life to this effort to end slavery. It, he still would have hated slavery, but I don't know that he would have been the guy, right, to stand up and go lead that fight because he would have been so eager to get home every night to Anne had he been married. Now, this is speculation on my part, right? I, I, don't, I can't prove this, um, but I find it interesting that the man that Lincoln who does stand up and who does lead this fight to get rid of slavery relentlessly in in an exhausting way was the same man who could not marry his true sweetheart because she died. Uh, I think. And Mary Todd was a handful, wasn't she? Oh boy, was she ever there's, there's a great story. One time she was in another room talking to Lincoln. Lincoln was, he, he Lincoln had this habit. He would read out loud whenever he was reading something, he would, he would verbalize it. He wouldn't just read it with his eyes. And he was reading and muttering to himself and did not respond to Mary. She called for him two or three times. And finally, she went over. She grabbed a log from the fireplace and whacked him on the head. And Lincoln went running <laughs> running out of the house. You know, uh, it, it was that kind of, of I mean, I think they, they loved each other and they took care of each other. Uh, but it was a very different kind of relationship yeah. than he had with Ann Rutledge. And I think her death affected the rest of history because it 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 affected how Lincoln looked at the world and how he prioritized his time. Okay, we're just about out of time. We have maybe five five minutes, four minutes. Okay. What what do people need to know today on President's Day? What's what's something else? They need to know that the president, like every other member of the government, is not a leader. Um, if you look back at the time of the American founding, that term leader was actually used as a term of disparagement. Uh, James Madison, for example, in the Federalist Papers, every place where the word leader shows up, it's as a warning, warning Americans, don't follow leaders. He warns Americans of visionary, scheming leaders who will flatter the people, bribe the people, tell the people everything they want to hear so that they can get power for themselves. And and Madison's point in the Federalist Papers is a truly free people, they don't want to be led. They don't want leaders. They want constitutional officers who go and do the very few things that we, the people, assign them to do through our Constitution. And otherwise... We go lead our own lives, right? We we make our own choices. This this idea that the moment someone gets elected to an office, they're the leader of the people. They're they're going to determine what my future is, what your future is, what the future of the citizens of this country. That's not the way a free people think. Look at every president through the lens of the United States Constitution. The Constitution is what creates that office of the presidency. So look at the president, any president, through the lens of the Constitution and judge the president by that standard. Is the president exercising the few powers delegated to him in Article 2 of the Constitution, and is he doing it wisely? Is he doing it well? And if not, get rid of that president and replace him with someone else. That's the way I think we ought to look at presidents rather than putting them up on these pedestals as if they're demigods. You know, as a Lincoln scholar, I have led many tours of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. And one of the first things I say is I don't like it. I don't like the memorial. I don't like the way that it it's built like a like a Greek pantheon Mm -hmm. for the gods. I mean, it, it, it purposefully that's how they designed it. And I think. Lincoln would be himself would be the first person to say, that's not good. Putting someone, you know, and there's that gigantic statue of mm-hmm. him on the big mm-hmm. chair and all of that. That's Lincoln was fighting for the very opposite of that. He was fighting for this idea of natural, universal human equality. Not that some people are gods or demigods or anything, anything like that. And yet the modern Amer- modern Americans tend to view their politicians as these godlike, I don't think 
Americans think politicians are actually gods, but they think they're sort of godlike leaders, and they're going to figure out where we should go in the future. That's not the lesson to learn from a Lincoln or from a Washington, both, both of whom called themselves servants of the American people, both of whom referred to the American people as their rightful masters. Those guys got it, and that, I think, is one of the core lessons, civic lessons, we can learn from Washington and from Lincoln. A couple of things. Um, Someone has said to me that, uh, you know, obviously George Washington and the Patriots, it was the first founding of America. Lincoln, the Civil War, was the second founding. Tom Crandall Winter, I submit to you that we are in the third founding of America right now, that we are asking, who are we? You know, Kamala Harris asked that question. I do agree with her. Who are we? And I take such great encouragement that Vino and Veritas has sold out that there's this hunger to find out who are we? Why do we believe what we believe? There is something inherent in the soul of Americans. And I, I, I don't think we've lost it. I think that we have to fight for it right now. And it's an ideological fight now. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And part of that key, right, there is a uh, I'm going to call it a system of ideas, and they all fit together. Think of something like, uh, think of a science of chemistry, for, just as an example, right? There's the idea of the atom, and once you start to understand the parts of atoms and how they work and how they interact with other atoms, right, you start you start to feel comfortable in the science of chemistry. Well, the same thing with the science of freedom. There are certain key core ideas, And it requires some study to actually understand what those ideas are. And once you start to get your mind around those ideas and they become familiar, you start to feel more comfortable talking and thinking about freedom when you have a grasp of those core ideas. And and that's what we're offering. And I agree with you. It is exciting. It's fascinating to see this hunger, this demand. People want to know what are those core ideas so that they feel more comfortable talking and thinking about freedom in our world right now today. Uh, I love it. So very quickly, somebody asked you, how long did it take Abraham Lincoln to write the Gettysburg Address? His entire life. That man studied those core ideas, what we're talking about, and practiced over and over how to talk about them, how to present those ideas in meaningful ways. A young Abraham Lincoln could not write the Gettysburg Address. Only a Lincoln who had been thinking about those things for 30 years could write that. Fantastic. So, Tom Cranowitter, thank you. Today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate, listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman, strive for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you and God bless America.